Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Aris Zukanayan. Amen. Now church, this weekend, I want to continue with the sermon that I preached at the beginning of the year in 2019, and I think it's about two or three weeks back. Now, that weekend, I preached about making room for God, and how you and I, at the beginning of the year, that it is important for you and I to selah before the Lord, and that is to make room for God, to make some time to pray, to make some time to rest in the presence of God. And I quoted 2 Kings on the story of the Shunammite woman. So I want to pick up the story again and I want to continue that sermon today. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 to verse 11. It says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunam, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, that he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Now please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. It happened on day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Verse 12, He said to Gehazi, his servant, Called this Shunammite woman, when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. Now, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi said, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway, verse 16. And then he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Now, this story is fantastic because, just to refresh your memory, from this passage, we learn the importance of making room for God. We learn that it is important for you to sell before the Lord. Why? Because... Even though Elisha has been visiting her regularly, it was only when she made room for God or when she selah before the Lord that God began to speak to her and she began to receive the purpose for her success, the purpose for her busyness. That's why I said, don't again go through another year being busy aimlessly. You need to be busy purposefully. Who can say amen? And God wants to, wanted to give this woman a son. Because why? Success is not through success without a successor. And that is the thing. God wants your success to last long. God wants your success to be accompanied with purpose. And only when this woman make room for God, that God begin to speak to her and she discovered the success or the purpose for her success. At the same time, it was also when she made room for God that Elisha, who had been visiting this place regularly, right, get to hear from God pertaining to the revelation and the word that he needed to speak to her. Again, what is the lesson? Don't pray until God speaks to you. Pray until you hear from God. Because every week you come to church do you know every day, every moment, God is speaking to you? 
Maybe not through an audible voice, but He is speaking to you in various, various ways. But friends, it is one thing for God to speak to you. It is another thing when you really get to hear Him. That means when you are able to capture the rhema, the revelation that He wanted you to hear. So God is speaking to us all the time. It's important for you and I to make room for God to discover your purpose and to hear from God what He has in store for you this year in 2019. How many of you can say amen? Now, and then we continued that the first furniture that this woman put up as she made room for God was the bed. Somebody say with me, the bed. Now, the bed speaks of our faith to rest in God. Why? Because our faith to rest in God will ensure our faith at work works. Right? And we learn from the story of King Saul, okay, that if you don't make time to pray, that if you don't sell up before the Lord, instead of work, which is supposedly an expression of our identity in God, reflecting our relationship with God, on the other hand, it conceals. And this becomes dangerous. Why? Because when work becomes busier, and when you and I become more successful, the question is, are you still able to identify for yourself? Is your heart still true? Are you worshipping God or are you now worshipping God just to make you successful? And that's not what we want to achieve. You know what, church? Like what I said, just a little bit variant at the beginning of this year in your heart, just a little bit of variant, it will lead you to a very far destination from what God has in store for you. And that's not what God wants you to achieve at the end of this year. Far away from His purpose, He wants you to be at, together, aligned together with His purpose. And that's why at the beginning of this year, it is important for you to align your heart back again to Jesus or with Jesus so that your destination, you can reach your destination so that your heart is aligned. Your heart will not be turned to the other side. Who can say amen? Because instead of success, instead of busyness, should affirm your loyalty toward God. What happened if we don't pray? What happened if we don't sell? Uh, it actually will embolden you to drift further away from God. And God does not want you to experience that. God wants you to experience the best 2019, fulfilling the purpose that He has in store for you. Give yourself a big round of applause. Amen? Amen. So, that is the bait. Now, this weekend, we want to continue with the next two furniture that she put up. Now, the two furniture that she next put up was the table and the chair. Somebody say, we mean the table and the chair. Now, in renovating her upper room to make room for Elisha, the woman put up a new table and a chair. Now, a table and a chair are a good reminder for everyone. What is the reminder? The reminder is this. That in the midst of our busyness and in our relentless pursuit of success, a table and a chair are a reminder that sometimes it is vital for us to stop from what we are doing and to sit down and to have fellowship with God and to re-strategize and rethink the journey ahead of us. The table and the chair is a reminder that in our relentless pursuit of success, Especially when you and I are successful, you will gain momentum. And especially in the midst of good momentum, it's important that sometimes that you need to learn to stop and you need to learn to sit down. 
and you need to go to the table and you need to re-strategize and you need, need to consider again. It's what I'm doing worth it in the long run. And that's the thing. It is important for you to have a table and a chair before the Lord. Now, why is that so? Go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to verse 42. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to verse 42, the Bible says this, As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. Now, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to Him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Please tell her to help me. Now the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But actually in life, there are only few things that are important and necessary. In fact, indeed only one. What is that? Mary had chosen the good part, what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Now, church, this story is a very famous story. You and I know it by heart. But when you look at this story, it is easy for us to laugh at Martha for being too busy for Jesus. In fact, when you look at this story, you and I can come to a conclusion. Martha has her priorities wrong. She cannot understand the priorities, the right priorities. She put ministry before the Lord. She put business before the Lord. She put work before the Lord. But church, I want you to think about this for a while. Don't judge her. Amen, right? Because this is a Middle Eastern culture. And in a Middle Eastern culture, Right? Showing hospitality to guests is very, very important. If you don't show hospi hospitality to your guests, it is a sign of dishonor. And not to mention, you know that day, there were almost 100 people that are coming to their home to visit them to become their guests. 100 people together with Jesus. How do I know? Because Jesus had just sent the 72 away for their mission trips. And they have all completed their tasks and they are all coming back right now to rejoin Jesus. So all of them are all going towards Mary and Martha's home. They are all invited. Now church, imagine if you have 100 guests coming to your house tonight. Will you, will you still come to church? I hope you do. Hallelujah. Amen, right? Surely you have to ensure, right, that all of these guests are going to be well looked after. Now, Above and beyond that, who is coming? Now, this is not Tom, Dick, and Toothless Harry who is coming, you know. Jesus is coming to my home. Now, church, if you and I know that Jesus is going to come to your home tonight to have dinner with you, what will you do? You also will be like Mary. In fact, you will call Kon Mari. Amen, hallelujah, right? Mary Kando. And start clearing your house. Those things that don't spark joy, throw it them all away. You know what? In my home, there are many that don't spark joy to me, but I can't throw them away. Hallelujah, right? You would have invited Konmari to come, right? And help you to clean up your house. Help you to put your house into order because you have Jesus coming to your home. Now, that's why, friends, for Martha to be distracted by all these for Martha to be busy and to be distracted by all this, it sounds pretty understandable and actually normal. It is not strange for Mary, for Martha actually, to be busy and to be distracted. She is the normal one. 
But do you know what is strange? What is strange or who is stranger actually is Mary. She is the strange one. Martha is not the strange one. It's normal because she's busy and she's distracted by all that's what's going to happen at the home. But Mary, it is the abnormal one. She is the strange one. Why? Because she seems to be undistracted by all these busyness and have to-do lists and was able to put them all aside to simply sit down and fellowship with Jesus. Now you must understand, prior to them arriving, do you think that Mary would have been involved in also preparing the house? I believe so. Before they came, Mary would have been involved. But the strange thing about Mary is this, she has the ability that before Jesus and the guests came, she was busy and she was distracted. But when Jesus came, she was able to stop what she is doing and able to sit at the feet of Jesus to listen to Jesus. That means she was still busy, but she can be undistracted. And that's the problem, you see. In today's world, to be busy and to be distracted is normal. But to be busy and to remain undistracted, now that is not normal. Is it to be busy and for you to skip church? To you, it's normal. But to be busy and still come to church, now to God, that's very abnormal. How many of you can say amen, right? And that's the thing. To be busy and to be, to be very distracted is pretty normal. But friends, that is the purpose of having to sit and fellowship with Jesus so that you can be disciplined that in the midst of your busyness, you can still focus your eyes on Jesus. Come on, give, your, give a big hand for the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what, church? In life, busyness is part and parcel of life. How many of you can say amen? In fact, if you are not busy, something is wrong with you. In Singapore, if you are not busy, something is wrong with you. And church, how many of you want to be successful? We all want. But get this, if you are successful, you will be busy. <laughs> Who can say amen? But God wants you to be busy and not distracted. And Martha was busy but always getting distracted. And what was she distracted by? Verse 41, the Lord said, Martha, you are worried and you are upset about many things. What is Martha worried or anxious about? You know what, church? Martha is worried and anxious about how she will please and impress Jesus and her guests. She was concerned that her home and serving might reflect poorly on her and her family. And this distraction, this anxiety blinded her to the one thing that is actually necessary. What is that? To be undistracted, sit down, listen to Jesus. And because of this anxiety, it makes her feel, and she makes her feel so busy that all these unnecessary tasks feels compulsively urgent. Church, don't let the urgent get in the way of the important. That's why Bishop Bronner said this. Remember, he said this, we all have things to do least. But this year, in order for you to be successful, maybe some of you need to have a new list. 
What is this new list called? This new list should be called a stop things to do list. A things to do, things to stop doing list. Right? You see, we all think that to be successful, I need to do more. We all think that for us to have more, I need to do more. <laughs> oh, you know what? This year, you know, in order for me to be more successful, in order for me to be more to have a breakthrough, I need to do more. But do you know, church? Sometimes the way to your breakthrough is not about doing more. Sometimes the way to your breakthrough is about stopping doing some things in your life. Like what? Sinning against God. If you want to have more money this year, it's not about doing more. Maybe sometimes you need to stop gambling. Maybe you need to stop smoking because cigarettes in Singapore are getting more and more expensive. <laughs> How many of you can say amen? Maybe you need to stop right, buying unnecessary luxury goods. Who can say amen? You see, it's not about doing more. Maybe you need to stop complaining. Maybe you need to stop grumbling. Maybe you need to stop blaming. Maybe all these walls, you know what, the heaven over your life is closed because you are always complaining and grumbling. So for you to have a breakthrough this year, it's not about doing more. But it is about stopping some things in your life. Like what? Stop grumbling. Maybe today you're always complaining, Pastor, I come to church, I don't understand what Pastor Aris is preaching all the time. Every time he preaches, I don't understand. <laughs> you know what, we need, we, 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 we need our sermon to be simpler. You know, every week is always the same. I always have complained. One week, Pastor, your sermon is too chim, too deep. You need to make your sermon simpler so that the young people can understand. So I preach simply. Then the next week, oh, City Harvest's sermon, not deep enough. So I try to be deep until I drown. <laughs> and yet these two will never satisfy anybody. So we say, oh man, you know what? Maybe our sermon needs to be more interactive. You know what? Got to change our LED. You know, change our seating to be 4D seats. <laughs> so that when I preach, the storm came, the seats starting to move. And then you will walk out of this place feeling, man, I feel so good about this service. Let me tell you, friends, do you know why sometimes you think that you are not getting anything from the sermon? You know what? It's not about me trying to do more. It's about you. You need to stop Instagramming while I'm preaching. It's about you need to stop Facebooking when I'm preaching. If you can just stop and to listen, you will actually get it, what I'm trying to speak to you. Come on, City Harvest Church, hallelujah. You know what, Pastor? City Harvest Church service is just too long. It's always like that. When we are too long, we get complained. When we are too short, we also get complained. So how to make the service better? You know what, friends? It's not about doing more. Even though I do more, I will still get complaints. So it's not about doing more, but it is about stopping. Means what? Stop complaining and start being grateful to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's the thing. When you sit down, when you come to the table of Jesus, when you listen to His voice, 
you are able to differentiate what needs to continue, what needs to do, what needs to be done more, or more importantly, what needs to be stopped in your life. And if you are able to differentiate that, it will really make a difference in your life. Same time next year, you will become a different person. Same time next year, you will embrace a son. You will be able to get your purpose. You see, back to Martha. And Martha was anxious. She was distracted. What kind of anxiety and distraction she had? She had this anxiety, wanting to impress others or even Jesus. And friends, this kind of anxiety, this kind of distraction, right? The wanting to impress others, the wanting to impress Jesus, do you know it's very subtle? Because it has a selfish root, but its fruit looks deceptively unselfish. In the name of service, you use service to mask your pure intention, your true intention. Your intention is, I want to impress God. I want to impress others so that others will always say good about me. And that's the thing. When you have that kind of motivation, it's a distraction. <laughs> when you have that kind of motivation, it will veer your heart away from the destiny and the purpose of God for your life. You see, this kind of anxiety is a distraction. It is the desire for approval dressed up to look like the desire to serve. So, in the name of service, in the names of serving others, you are actually hiding, masking your true motivation, your true intention. What is that? I want to impress myself. <laughs> I want to impress others. I want to impress Jesus. Listen, church, that's why she was so confident, right? That Jesus would approve of her to rebuke Mary. But how many of you know, man sees from the outside, but God sees us all the way inside. God sees at the heart. And when Jesus saw her intention, saw her motivation, she began to tell Martha and told Martha this, Martha, don't be distracted by all this wanting to impress others, by all this wanting to impress me. One thing and one thing only that is needed. Just sit at my feet and listen to my word. You will never go wrong. Just be focused on me. Busy, yes, but please stay focused on Jesus. How many of you can say amen? amen? And that's the thing, because she cared more. Look at Mary. Mary cares more about Jesus, about what Jesus said, than what Mary or what others had to say about her. And because of this, Jesus commended Mary for her choice not to be busy, to serve, and to be or to be distracted. You see, church, sitting down and fellowship with God at the table will discipline you to stay undistracted in the midst of your busyness. And this year you will be busy. But my point is that please stay undistracted. Who can say amen? And how do you do that? By learning to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to Him. By learning to come to the table and have fellowship with God the Father. The table and the chair helps you to be disciplined, to stay undistracted in the midst of your busyness. That's why, are you busy for God? Or are you busy for God for yourself? Right? Don't just be busy for God for yourself. <laughs> be busy for God is fine. 
But when it becomes busy for God for yourself, now that is not healthy. Because sometimes when you are busy and you start doing good things, it is easy for you to be pleased with yourself and receive applause and commendation from your friends and people outside. But that's the time that you need to be disciplined to stay undistracted and not get distracted by the worldly applause because it will go into your head and we can easily lose our dependence on God and our always ever increasing need for grace. That's why we always need to depend on Jesus. We need to sit at the table, sit and listen to the voice of God. Come to the table of fellowship with God so that our hearts can be realigned again so that when we are busy, we will always remain undistracted. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. And we know what needs to be done more or we know what needs to stop. Now it's important. Now let me give you an example. Now remember two weeks ago, on the very first sermon on the bed, I gave an example from the life of King Saul. Now for this one, the table and the chair, I want to illustrate my point from the story and the life of King David. Now look at King David, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 3. Now this is very interesting. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Now Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. Now, very interesting, church. Firstly, take note, verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says that the king was settled and the Lord had given him rest. Wow. Somebody say with me, wow. Now, church, you must understand the condition that David was in at that period of time. At that time, David had already reached the pinnacle of his success. Just like how King Saul experienced that when he defeated the Philistines and the Amalekites. Why do I say that? Because by then, David had successfully united the north and the south, Israel and Judah, to become one united nation. Number two, David had completely destroyed the Philistines. Number three, he had finally built his palace and he was able to establish his kingdom by 2 Samuel chapter 7. So at this point, David was riding high. At this point, David was at a momentum. At this point, David was having success after success. Financially successful. Propertyly successful, if there's such a word. Family, successful, right? Had a beautiful wife. Children, also successful. Career, very successful. Face, also very successful. <laughs> Reputation, very successful. He was riding very high. Now, at the point of him riding high, at the pinnacle of his success, the Bible gave a very important clue. God was the one who established his kingdom and God at this time had given him rest. Wow, church. Do you know I've been praying for this kind of prayer for a long time until now God has not given me rest. <laughs> Do you know what this means? This means he 
had given David rest from all of his enemies. Wow! Everything was coming together for him. But yet, even though God had given him rest, David did not rest. Or in fact, a better word is, David does not know how to rest. Because he was so successful, everything is going well for him. And like any one of us, who is like a Midas touch, maybe this year, somehow your hand turned gold. You have a Midas touch. You know what's a Midas touch, right? Everything you touch turned to gold. You go to this business, wah, tiong. You go to this property business, another one, tiong. You go to this investment, wah, really, 300% return. Everything you touch turns to gold. Now, at that point of time, do you know when to stop? And when the Lord had given David rest, David does not know how to rest. And that's why he and he doesn't know how to rest. You know what, church? Do you know how important it is to rest? And notice, the Lord didn't say, stop. The Lord didn't say, the Lord had put a stop to David's blessing. God was just asking David to rest. The blessing is not supposed to stop, but he's just asking David to rest. Who can say amen? Now, when he was given that kind of opportunity, now church, let me tell you, do you know this kind of opportunity is so rare? You know, I've been in ministry for so long. <laughs> Until now, I've been praying for rest. Amen, right? <laughs> if God would have given me this kind of opportunity, I will immediately take it. But the problem is that David does not know how to rest because he was so accustomed to busyness and success and activities for God. So he decided not to rest. He decided to be busy again for the Lord. Again, like Martha. Very subtle. In the name of service, you are actually hiding a motivation inside you. Whether or not is it to impress God, or to impress others for yourself. What did he say? You know what? Look at my house and look at God's house. Maybe it's time for me to build God a house. Now church, while it is good to be busy for God, don't get distracted by being busy just to impress God. Now it was a noble cause. How many of you know that building God a house is a noble cause? And how many of you know that it is a very noble desire to build God a great house? Who can say amen? But friends, implicit in that comparison in verse 2, when he said, here I am living in a house of cedar, and God is living in a tent. You know what? I was reading this book, and Eugene Peterson described it, described it so well in his book, Leap Over the Wall. He described it like this, because David is now in a position of success and strength, Implicit in that statement is the judgment that David is now housed better than God. And the danger is this. If he is not careful, if he continues along this line of thought, David could cross over the line from being full of God into being full of himself. And the thing is this. How do we know that God was not impressed by what David had to say about him? Now because after 
he consulted Nathan, his pastor, and the pastor enthusiastically endorsed his intention. That night, Nathan prayed to the Lord, and when he prayed, the Lord spoke to Nathan to withdraw David's building permit. <laughs> now, church, do you know what you know, do you know what this means? David was riding high. David was very on fire for God. David was like, cannot stop. You know what, God? I am still young. I need to strike while the iron is still hot. And so that's why for me, it's not time for me to rest. Even though you give me rest, thank you very much. I don't need your rest. I need to continue building so that I can bless you. So that I can make your name greater. You know what God say? I don't need you to make my name greater. My name is already great. Hallelujah, right? Now church, this is a good example and this is a very good reminder to every one of us. You know what? At the beginning, last year in the month of June, right? I received a phone call from a very concerned mother at 11.30pm. It's not good to have your handphones being known by everyone. Hallelujah, amen, right? 11.30 p.m., a very concerned mother called me up and he called me this. And 11.30 p.m., she called me and she complained to me about her son who happened to be in my zone. And she said this, Pastor Aris, do you know that my son failed all his subjects in the mid-year exam? And the thing is this, Pastor Aris, do you know that my son was so involved the entire month of June going to camp after camp Camp after camp, even though it is not his camp, he also went. He played in all the worship, he played in all the bands, and he was so involved in all the, the planning. But you know what, Pastor Harris? He failed his exams. Now, church, let me tell you, man, I was so sad. And when I was so sad, right, I mean, I really didn't know what to do. This, this mother was berating me. Amen, right? I was having a verbal diary at me, amen, right? And so I was... So after that, I said, okay, 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 you know what? I need to call this member of mine. And so I threw down the phone and I called my member. And I called this youth. And I called him and I said, bro, what happened? <laughs> and she said to me, pastor, you know, where is the balance here? I mean, this is the time where I felt this year that I needed to shine for Jesus. I felt that this year I need to give my life for Jesus. And I know that if I would have given my life just this year only, next year, then I will be focused on my studies. And pastor, you know what? I really want to be very on fire for the Lord. Now, what happened? This youth was riding high. This youth was, was on a momentum. You know? And when this youth was on momentum, what happened? He failed his exams. And so I told him, bro, listen to me. If you really want to serve God for the longest time, you need to learn when to stop. And I told him, listen, it's good that you have a very, you have a passion. It's good that you have a fire to want to serve God. But let me tell you, if you don't take time to take stock over your life and stop and start doing something for your exam and for your studies, let me tell you, this will cut short your destiny. This will not give you longevity. And what God wants to do in you is longevity. He wants you to have a purpose for longevity. 
And you need to learn to stop. And when you learn to stop, and we need to take stock over your life and begin to count the cost, right? Then you will realize that studies is very important as well. And you know what? When I did that and when I put down the phone, you know what? Just like how when Nathan got that answer from the Lord and he told David, you know what? For me, I didn't get the answer from the Lord. I get the answer from the mother who called me late in the night. <laughs> and I told this youth, and when I told this youth, thank God that this youth was willing to be stopped. And he stopped. And he studied. This year in January, he messaged me, Pastor, thank you. I passed all my subjects already. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what, church? You see, when you are on a high, when you are on a momentum, it is difficult for you to be stopped. Who can say amen? But listen, God wants you to occasionally stop what you're doing. Sit down. Go to the table. And that's the thing. That night, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord says. Are you the one who built me a house to dwell in? Tell David, I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israels out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. And wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? And the Lord began to tell Nathan, please tell David, I have never asked him to build me a house. And then God began to reveal to Nathan his main purpose for David. He told him, verse 11, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. So that means God was telling David, thank you very much for your kind gesture. But I don't need you to build me the house. Why? Because that is not my plan for you to build me a house. My plan for you is that you are a man of war. My plan for you is that you need to provide peace to the next generation. And thank you very much for thinking of me. But my plan for you is not to build me a house. My plan for you is to establish my name, my kingdom through you. Who can say amen? And it's not that building God's house is wrong. God honored it. In fact, the Lord said, my plan is that I myself will establish a house for you. But it is not your time. It is not going to be you. It is going to be your son who will build me the house. That's why, church, what God wants to do through you is more important than what you want to do for him. And in this situation, God wanted to establish his kingdom through David. But David, on the other hand, wanted to build him a house. And this is direct contrary to God's plan for his life. And that's why he told David, it's not going to be you, but it's going to be your son who will build me a house. Why? Because sometimes good intentions done at the wrong time can lead to negative outcome. Who can say amen? Right person, wrong time is bad. Wrong person, right time is equally bad. But a wrong person doing the wrong thing at the wrong time is catastrophe. 
And that's what God wanted to avoid in the life of David. Because David was getting ahead of God. And God wanted David to stop and to be realigned again so that he will not get ahead of God. And back to this youth that I talked to, I say, bro, relax, bro. Relax. You have eternity to serve God. But now it is your season for you to study hard. And if this is your season for you to study hard, study hard. How many of you can say amen? Do well for His kingdom. Once you finish this season of your life, you can serve God until the cows go home. Nobody cares. <laughs> and that's the thing. And many people think, yesterday in the, in the Saturday service, you know, there were more probably uh, emerge uh, ZSs or the pastors. In fact, yesterday, the emerge pastor was right there listening to me. Amen, right? And I was just telling him, no, no, no. Before the emerge department wanted to crucify me, you see, pastor, you talk like that, none of my youth want to rise up to become a leader already. <laughs> you talk like that, none of, my, none of my youth want to serve God, want to do this. They just want to be concerned about their studies only. No, 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 church. If you're, only, if, you're only, if you're able to only accept things at two extremes, you are not fit to carry the cross of Jesus. Because the Bible says, if you want to become my disciple, you must carry the cross. Now, I want to ask you, how do you carry the cross? Do you carry the cross from at one end or to the other end? Do you carry the cross at the head end? No, it's going to be difficult. Do you carry the cross at the other end, pushing it from below? No, no way. You can only carry the cross in the middle. That means what? To carry the cross of Jesus requires balance, not extremes. Hallelujah. Balance is the key to life. And I'm telling these young people at, at your age, learn to be balanced. Learn the value of balance. Don't go from one extreme to the other extreme. And if you can only serve God at one extreme to the other extreme, you are not able to serve God effectively, you cannot carry the cross. And church, you know what? I'm going to give you a verse later. It's going to be so good. That verse is so good. Turn to your neighbor and say, that verse is good. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor tell them, say, stay for that verse. Hallelujah. Amen, right? <laughs> it's a good verse. And that's the thing. I'm trying to tell this bro over here, bro, learn to be balanced. Everything we do need to be balanced. Balance your sacrifice with saving. Balance your giving with saving. Balance your passion with preparation. Balance your passion with planning. Balance your fire, right, with wood, with you working hard for Jesus. Everything in life, balance is the key to life. And if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to carry the cross. And you cannot carry the cross from one end to the other end. <laughs> you can only carry the cross in the middle. That's where it is. That's where you can last the distance. That's where you can carry all the way up to its main purpose at Golgotha. And that's where you die for Jesus and you get resurrected again and you become a totally different person. Come on, give God a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You see, there are times when our grand human plans to do something for God are seen after a sit-down and fellowship with God to actually to be a huge human distraction from what God wants to do in us. And that was what Nathan realized. 
that David's building plan for God would interfere God's building plan for David. And church, this is the important part. When Nathan got that revelation from God, and again, I got this revelation from the mother. And I talk. And you know what? If you have a youth, just like, just like David, you know, in the beginning, this young person come to me. I mean, if I'm the pastor, if I'm Nathan, if I'm the pastor over his life, and this young man come to me, oh, you know what, pastor? You know what? The Lord spoke to me that this year, I need to lay down my life for Jesus. I want to, I, I want to make a five-year singlehood vow to the Lord. And I'm willing to give up my everything so that I can serve full-time one day. And pastor, please call me anytime. You want me to play guitar? You want me to go overnight prayer meeting? I'm ready. I'm available. I'm ready to die for Jesus. You know what? If I'm Nathan, I also will say the same thing. You know what? Do according to what is in your heart for the Lord is with you. <laughs> Every pastor wants that kind of member who can say amen. I hope there are a lot of them here in 10 a.m. service. Hallelujah. Amen, right? But friends, that night, Nathan had a revelation from God. And God said, please tell David, stop. And I received that revelation from the mother to tell the person, stop. Stop. And you know what? When I told this young man, bro, you know what? Think longevity. Think balance. Don't think for the now only. Think longevity. Relax, bro. It's okay, bro. Don't worry. Right? The church will still exist without you. Hallelujah. Amen, right? I need to bring him back into reality. Lah. How many of you can say amen? Amen, right? Yeah, relax, relax, relax. You know what, friends? David was a king. And when Nathan spoke to him like that, as a king, he would have said, who are you, Nathan, to talk to me like this? Who are you to tell me what to do for God? Do you know I am doing this for God, not for myself? Are you sure? You don't know. But you know what? God sees the heart. And when he said that, you know what? He could have said, Nathan, from today onwards, you are relief from your duty as my prophet, as my intercessor. Go, right? And serve the Philistines right now. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> what did he do? When Nathan spoke to David, Your Honor, the Lord told me that it's not you who's going to build this house but it is going to be your son. The Bible says, verse 18, very important one, very important. Verse 18, then King David went in and he sat before the Lord. He went in and he sat down. He sat down to hear God again. He sat down to come to the table again, to fellowship with God again, and to ask God, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? And you know what? After he sat down and he prayed, then he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. 
David sat before the Lord. An incredible act when you begin to understand the conditions that he was in. He was on a high. He was on a great momentum. But when Nathan stopped him, more accurately, when God stopped him, David allowed himself to be stopped. And when he stopped, he prayed. And when he prayed, his prayer changed. His prayer changed from Lord, from me building you a house, to Lord, sovereign Lord. And that day, from him taking charge over his life to do things for God, he now surrendered his life to be led by God. In essence, his prayer changed to be Jesus' kind of prayer. Not my will, but let your will be done. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah, right? He was getting ahead of God. But when he stopped, and when he listened, and when he came to the table of fellowship, his heart was realigned back again. God became his plan. And when he sat down, he released himself from his kingly authority to come under the sovereign authority of the Lord Jesus Christ all over again. Friends, that is the importance of sitting down and having fellowship with God. And church, this is the verse that is coming. Turn to Nibi, the verse is coming now. <laughs> now church, do you know, what we don't do for God is often far more critical than what we in fact do for Him. Because in this modern age of fast and fury, busyness is revered. Resting is loathed. And please do not confuse resting in God with sloth or stoicism. You know what stoicism? Passive acceptance of life. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. No, church, sitting down, fellowshipping with God, is neither sloth nor stoicism. It is a strategy. It is a strategy. And why do I say that? Now, this is the verse that I want to share with you. Go with me to Luke 14, 28 to 34. In Luke 14, now you must understand, in Luke 14, verse 28, just before that, in verse 27, Jesus was actually challenging His disciples and, tell, and told them, whoever wants to follow me, he must be willing to lay down his life, carry the cross and follow me. Whoever is not willing to carry the cross to follow me, he is not worthy to be called my disciples. Now, after he finished saying that in verse 27, then he began to continue to give two analogies to drive this point across. He gave this analogy in Luke 14, verse 28 to 34, saying this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Verse 31, 31 or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. Now verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything 
you have cannot be my disciples. Now, after he gave these two analogies, talking about the importance of carrying the cross to follow him and to become his disciples, he ended by this statement in verse 34, which is very funny and confusing. Suddenly, he talked about salt and pepper. He said this, salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, when I start reading this thing, I'm confused. What, what does Jesus mean when he ended that whole entire analogy by saying salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? You know what, church? God gave me a revelation. Again, basically, Jesus is trying to say this. Listen, guys, if you want to follow me, you have to carry the cross. And if you want to carry the cross, there is a price to pay. And if there is a price to pay, you need to occasionally sit down and consider and think whether or not are you still able to carry the cross to follow me. Occasionally, you need to sit down and reevaluate, re-strategize. How can you still continue to carry the cross to follow me? Because always, constantly, there is a price to pay to follow me. How many of you can say amen? And the reason is this. Basically, Jesus is trying to say this. Guys, salt is good. Your passion is good. But what good if your passion doesn't last? Salt is good. But what good is it if your salt loses its saltiness? That means what? Your passion is good. Your fire is good. But what good is your passion if your passion and if your fire does not last? How many of you can say amen? You know what, church? We all, I grew up in City Harbor Church when I was 14 years old. Eh? I'm now only 18. But I was since 14, amen, right? Still 18, amen, right? When I was 14 years old, friends, I saw many of my peers all on fire for Jesus, all full of passion for Jesus. But friends, we need to occasionally sit down and reevaluate and strategize our passion. Why? So that our passion can last the distance. And so many of my peers and so many of us who started together with this church at an early age, passionate, full of fire, full of salt, very salty. <laughs> but now, because of life, because of disappointment, have turned from salt to bitter God. <laughs> and friends, Jesus said this, do you know that if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it get back its saltiness? That means what? It is very difficult for a passionate person who used to be on fire and get disappointed to be passionate again. And that's why I told this bro over here. This bro, remember the bro? I said, bro, relax, bro. Because I want your passion, your fire to last the distance. Because I do not want you, in the name of your passion and serving God, you fail your exam and you get disappointed and you end up blaming God because you are still young and when you are young, you do not understand and when you don't understand, it will come first into your mind who to blame? God, church, Pastor Aris.
Amen. And when you start blaming these three person, you will lose your fire for Jesus. And what use, what actually supposed to be a good intention to be on fire for God, now the fire is gone. Your passion, your saltiness is gone. And when your saltiness is gone, it's very hard for you to be salty again. And that's why occasionally Jesus is trying to tell you, guys, when you follow me, you better once in a while sit down. Reevaluate. Think. Wow, but, 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 but my zone this year is, is growing very well, you know. But if you can actually sit down and think, you will see actually even though my zone is growing very well, but my relationship with my wife is drifting away. And maybe this year, it's time for you to stop for a while. Now, God says stop, but actually He's saying rest. So all the pastors hang. <laughs> yes, pastor, don't say stop, please. I don't have enough Sagup leaders already. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Rest. Rest for a while. Why? So that you can quickly come back again and serve God for the long run. How many of you can say amen? Amen. Hallelujah, right? You know, you can serve God. You know what? One day, I mean, let me, can I just give you my personal testimony? Not testimony, like my personal example. You know, I served God when I came full-time when I was only, what, 21, 22 years old. And you know what? Every single year, I gave to the building fund. I gave time. I gave, I gave, I gave, I gave my life. I give my blood away to Jesus. You know what? When Jesus lost his blood on the cross, I'm the one, one person who always replenished their blood for him. And kept him alive until that day when he finally died. I gave and I gave and I gave. Until when I was 35, 35 years old, debt ridden with credit card debts, and one day when I came home, I realized there's a lawyer letter right in front of me. And I asked myself, Lord, what have I been doing all these years? Serving you, but debt-ridden with credit card debts. And that's a wake-up call for me. And that's where I begin to sit down and I start to reevaluate my life. And I change the way I think about finances. You see, church, Sitting down and have fellowship with God is not sloth nor stoicism. It is a long-term strategy. It is a strategy for longevity. Come on, give Jesus a big round of applause. Amen. When you sit down at the table, you eliminate all distractions and the noise of the world to have a clear mind on what God wants you to do for the long term. And in the process, it will produce a strategy. And in the process of strategy, the Bible says, Psalms 23, God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He will give you peace. That peace will produce a strategy. And the strategy will produce a plan. And the plan will produce an action. And an action will produce a change. Same time next year, you will become a different person. How many of you can say Amen. Every week you come to church, don't just get your hope and faith stirred up, 
Because hope and faith is good to be stirred up, but hope and faith is not a strategy. Hope and faith must produce wisdom, and wisdom produce a strategy. And a strategy will produce a plan, and a plan will produce an action, and an action will produce a transformation. You know, young people, if today you want to see your results increasing and better, your grades getting better, having hope and faith alone is not a strategy. Have a strategy and have a plan. Stop doing those things that is unnecessary and start doing those things that are important. I want to end by reading you this testimony by one of our staff. One of our staff's name KK. Now, not Kai Kong. Huh? Kai Kong is in this service, but it's not Kai Kong. Amen, right? I want to end. This testimony is of one of our staff, KK. In 2011, KK got into a financial crisis due to unwise spending and uncontrolled lifestyle. She said the beginning of this was when she used to change handphones every week or month. The moment she felt bored with one model, she would sell it and use a credit limit to buy another one. Pretty soon, she could no longer sustain this lifestyle. And like anyone who is stuck financially, she turned to the most immediate available solution to service those payments. What are they? Credit cards. Very soon, she maxed out all her seven credit cards and three cash lines. She even accepted new banks' offer for new cards just so she could pay off those loans and to make ends meet. After a while, the cycle of debt took its toll on her. In total, she had, a service, she had to service a debt of almost $50,000. And that's when she decided that she had enough and need a major intervention. You know what? When she talked to a cell group leader, they tried many steps but failed. And now, even though every week when she got prayed for, she had faith and occasionally got your yeah, faith and hope stirred up, hoping that God will deliver her. But friends, again, hope is not a strategy because your hope and faith must turn into wisdom and wisdom must give you a strategy. In 2012, she was introduced to credit counseling talk, but she was not prepared to go along with their terms as it required her to submit all the information of that and thus risk the bank to allow them to demand immediate full payment or to declare bankruptcy. So out of fear of losing it all, she backed out from this plan. She backed out from this opportunity. But as time passed, it became harder to pay even the minimum amount. She started avoiding bank phone calls and default on payment. Finally, she got so sick and tired of this life she said this, she was tired running away from creditors. And in 2014, she decided to stop running, sit down, and come to the table of God. The Bible says when you come to His table, He will give you peace in the midst of chaos. And when she prayed, after much prayer, and asking God to take over to lead her life, despite her fear and uncertainty, she felt the peace to go along this plan and sign up again for the credit counseling talk all over again. This time, she told both her pastor, you know who's the pastor? Yours sincerely. Amen, right? <laughs> and her HOD about her issue to remain accountable for prayer support. Guys, if you are in trouble, you need prayer support. The credit counseling team. Now, church, by the grace of God, 
when she went to this counseling t- uh, credit counseling company, the credit counseling company worked along a plan together with her. You see, a strategy to go asking for help. And in the strategy comes out a plan. The Bible says, when you have a plan, surrender it to the Lord and then He will direct your path. God can only do a miracle if He has a plan from you to do a miracle from that plan. So from that plan, she submitted. And guess what? The credit counseling team successfully negotiated with the banks to a more affordable payment scheme and to approve their proposal for a five-year repayment plan of almost $50,000. But more importantly, after much reflection, she learned to take responsibility over her mistake and what it means to be a good steward of your finances. And together with the plan, she took up freelance jobs to help ease the payment. She also made a stand, a decision that regardless how good the offer is, she will not accept any freelance job that will clash with weekend services and her CAC work calendar. Wow. Very hard to find members like this. (laughs) Do you see that now? She has now been realigned. She is now focused on what is necessary and important because now she knows that to get out of debt is not about doing more, but it is about stopping those things that are unnecessary. And she learned to make it a point to work and save for holidays and purchases. And with this transformation, she learned to treasure things more. It could take her more than a year to even consider to buy a pair of shoes that cost $100. And church, this is not poverty mindset. This is the discipline of delayed gratification. And God is faithful. There will be months where it felt impossible, but they will never live in lack. Today, this year, she is on her final lap of the payment scheme. Eight more months to go and only about $8,000 left. She will be debt-free. Hallelujah! Church, a man's heart plans his way, but it is the Lord that will direct your path. If you are in a cycle of defeat and in a cycle of death, maybe it's time for you to sit down and have fellowship with God and to obtain peace. And in that peace, God will give you a strategy. And with the strategy, you use the strategy to come up with a plan. And when you have a plan, you commit it to the Lord so that He will direct your path. And with the plan, you have an action. And with the action, you will have a transformation. And same time next year, you are going to be a totally different person. You are debt free in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, at the beginning of this year, rest in God. Sit down in a fellowship with God. Because sitting down in fellowship is a strategy for longevity. What good if you are passionate but if your passion doesn't last. I pray that every one of us here in 10 a.m. service, our passion will last the distance, that even until we grow old, we are still passionate for Jesus. How many of you can say amen? Come on, give God a big round of applause, shall we? I want you to just lift up your hand. I want you to just stand up on your feet. And let's just, how many of you are blessed today by the Word of God? Amen. I want you to stand up on your feet. I want you to pray in the Spirit for a while. And you know what, just before we start praying, we're going to sing this song. I mean, it's actually not a new song, but it's pretty new for us. So I want you to just go along with the lyrics, go on with the melody and just sing it along. 
I really believe that you are able to catch the rhythm and the melody itself. I believe He's going to minister to you in a special way. Amen. So I want you to lift up your hands to heaven and I want you to pray right now. Pray in the Spirit right now. Let's begin to take some time. Fellowship with God. Come to the table. Come to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, to obtain a strategy, to obtain a plan. For this year, for 2019, for this year, for your death, for your family, for your children, for your marriage. That's right, lift up your hands. Come to the table, come to the table, sit down and worship Him. Let's sell out before the Lord. Hallelujah. Where would I run but to the throne of mercy? Where would I kneel but at this cross of grace? How great a love! How strong the hand that holds us Beautiful So So beautiful So here I bow To lift you high Jesus Be Who came in grace and truth How great the love That carries us to kindness Wonderful You're wonderful All together now So here I bow to Oh
I just want to pray I just sense in my heart today that I want to pray for some of you in this place who actually are in a cycle of death today you have been struggling with death for so long for too long and friends this year don't end another year going through another cycle of defeat going through another cycle of death let every single death be broken in Jesus name but friends the way for us to get out of death yes we need a divine intervention and a supernatural miracle but we need to work alongside together with God. We need to give Him a plan, a strategy, so that let Him direct your path this year. I can guarantee you, if you have a plan, you submit it to God. What takes five years, God can do a miracle and you can complete it within one and a half or even two years. And that's what God wants to do in your life this year. And you know what? I don't need you to lift up your hands because it can be pretty embarrassing. But today, if you are death-ridden, today, if you are in a cycle of death, I want you to pray together with me that God will give you a strategy, a plan, and that you are able to come up with that plan and God can do a miracle through that plan in Jesus' name. How many of you can say amen? You know what? If that is you, right? I want everybody to all lift up our hands and I want everybody to say this prayer together with me. And I want you to say it in unison and in faith and say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, Today I want to sit down. Today I want to sit down. Come to the table of fellowship. And to count the cost for a greater longevity for my ministry and for my faith. I submit to you my crisis, my financial debt. Now, I want you to tell the Lord how much that financial debt is. Tell the Lord and say together with me, Jesus, I give you my problems. You will give me peace in the midst of chaos. Out of the peace, you give me the courage to have a strategy. You give me resolve to make a plan. You give me persistence to apply that plan and turn it into action. I pray. I believe. I confess. Same time next year, I am a different person. I am debt free. I will be debt free in Jesus' name. Now I want you to pray for yourself in the next 30 seconds right now. Come up with a plan a plan to save your marriage, a plan, regardless of any plan. Don't despise your plan. It may sound stupid. But church, if you have a plan, you commit it to the Lord. And you do that plan. And God will give a miracle for you. Students, come up with a strategy, a plan to study. Next year, this year, O-levels, A-levels. You're going to shine for Jesus. You're going to do well for Him. In the name of Jesus, give Him a plan. Give Him your plan. That's right. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Father, I pray for every single person, Lord, this year, at the beginning of this year, Lord, as we sit down and have fellowship with God, to count the cost, Father, you show us areas in our life that we need to stop doing. I pray, Father, not just those things that we need to stop doing, but Lord, you will give us strategy. You will give us a plan so that when we come up with a strategy and a plan, we give it to you and you will direct our path this year in 2019. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a blessed year. We receive it in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, let's give God one more big round of applause. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. How many of you are blessed this morning? In our Sunday morning service, be happy, stay happy. Because next week, it's going to be Chinese New Year weekend. Young people, you must come up with a strategy and a plan so that God can bless you double in Jesus' name. And the way is to honour your parents. Always do well in your studies. Please help your parents to do spring cleaning. I guarantee you this year, your harvest will be double from last year. And today, have a strategy. Coming to Chinese New Year weekend next week, spend time with your family. God bless you and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by the message. If you have a testimony to share, write to us at connect at chc.org.sg.